0: Are you ready to listen to a podcast? Upskilled Upskilled. Masterclass.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the 12th episode of the Upskilled Masterclass. My name's Ralph Tucker. Today, we'll be continuing our five-part series on small business. It's often said that small business is the backbone of the Australian economy, with some statistics suggesting close to half the workforce in this country are employed in small business. This series of episodes is designed to focus on the subject areas associated with upskilled certificate four in small business. The whole course is a little too broad to be covered in one conversation, so we've decided to break it down into five key areas legal requirements for starting or running a small business, the importance of planning, keeping track of your finances, building a winning team, marketing your business, and finding and keeping your customers. To discuss these areas in greater detail, we'll be talking to one of Upskilled's trainers, Keith Mogford. Keith, welcome back to the Upskilled Masterclass. Thank you.
0: Nice to be here.
1: We've covered off on a few subjects so far, like the legal requirements for starting or running a small business, the importance of planning, and keeping track of your finances. Now, today's subject is building a winning team. Uh, Many small businesses vary, so... How important is it for someone in their own business to surround themselves with good people?
0: Quite simply, if you are not with good people, then you don't have a winning team, and in essence, you don't have a good business. So, I guess, you know, I always take it from uh, a point of view where you really do need to surround yourself with people who are expertise in their own right your accountants, your lawyers your mentors, uh, your bankers, um, people who are fundamentally, um, you know, the part of the DNA of the business. You can't do it all yourself anyway. It's as simple as that. So why wouldn't you surround yourself with good people? It really is uh, a major part of the, uh, the actual business. And if you're trying to struggle from that transition and uh, moving forward um, without having those people around you, it's really difficult, Ralph,
1: really difficult. I would imagine that some people do struggle with that transition. You may have seen it over the years where someone's been running a small business or, in fact, providing a consultancy service or trade service where they're pretty much just the one person in the business. They're, they're called micro-businesses. Uh, And then when the business sort of develops and and grows, they then have to employ other people. Have you seen uh, struggles? And what what would be the main pitfalls there for people that are used to running their own race, as it were?
0: Yeah, good question, uh, Ralph. And I guess there isn't one particular area, but it's a collection. Uh, And there may only be small aspects of part of their business but each one of those slowly builds and collectively it becomes a tsunami And what actually happens. They're overwhelmed by the issues of growing uh, that small business. I mean once you've started your own small business you obviously as you just said you may decide to stretch your creativity and and grow your business and your profits but the size of your small business really Ralph is directly proportion to the number of customers that you have and when you look at it, the number of goods or services that you can provide, and that's what it's about. So essentially, the only ways you can grow your business is to, is to get more customers, and to get more customers, you need to buy more. And to get more, uh, to get your customers to buy more, um, you want to have them, you know, more frequently. So, you know, the only way that's going to happen is is by having all your ducks in a row and making sure that you have undertaken that growth strategy. That would include, you know, an active continuum that your ba- uh, your business base is, is going to grow. So, you know, if you're a home base on micro-business, as, as you alluded to, you may consider relocating to the home-based business into a business incubator. Now, there are a lot of business incubators across Australia, and the rates that they charge are, are ridiculously low. And generally, you've got full support of, of an office. You've got uh, you know an, a proper office address. Um, you've got the expertise. You've got meeting rooms. You've got everything there. So, you know, that's something to explore. And while we're talking about exploring, why not explore new interstate markets or maybe exporting to international markets if you're growing your business? You know, innovation is one of the most important things at the moment. And, you know, China has been the powerhouse of pumping things out. But over the next 10 years, China will be the innovation of the world. And that's where, you know, Australia and entrepreneurs need to be. So when you're talking about growing a business, You've got to think very strategically. You've got to think about, you know, the plan of where you will be in, you know, 3, 5, 10 years' time that will increase the size of your customers while maintaining that supply. You know, it, it may be possible to grow the size of, of your small business, but, you know, your business will only survive by if you're thriving,
1: in upskilled small business courses, there are a couple of units that are specifically devoted to leadership and managing people and and the processes that go along with that. The term leadership does that sit well with you in terms of somebody taking charge of their own small business? Yeah,
0: you've got to you've got to have a leadership, haven't you? Um, I mean, where would the army be without their leaders and 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 their generals? And I, and I guess um, you know, I take a a great uh, statement from um, the, the, the uh, uh, general, whose uh, Colin Powell is now retired, the, the Secretary of State in the U.S. And he said uh, once that um, that you know many barriers to upward communication, um, you know, that, that so the very idea of someone lower down the hierarchy looking up to a leader to help for that uh, you know initial help really acts as, as as someone who is showing weakness and failure. So what he's actually saying is that if someone's asking for help and you fail to give it or that person thinks that, you know, it's a point of failure or weakness, people then tend to cover that up and they tend to cover up the gaps and the organisations, you know, really do suffer accordingly. So... You know, real leaders in essence need to make themselves accessible and available. They need to show concern, in their efforts, and challenges faced by, you know, their underlings, if I can put it that way. And even as they, you know, demand high standards, it's a one that really you need to invoke and help everybody. When we're talking about leadership, you know, we're talking about intelligent, honest creativity, being confident you know, driven and courageous.
1: What sort of role does delegation play in that?
0: You should give people the power to make their own decisions, but you need to be there to support them all the way along. You can't take on the leadership and think that you're leading by undertaking everybody's work. You need to delegate. And if you're not delegating, then you're in a situation where you will become overwhelmed and... the the subordinates underneath you will find that you're taking control and they feel that they don't trust you. Um, So it is a matter of trust and it's certainly an area where uh, that delegation needs to be um, put out there.
1: Yeah, trust was something that I was going to bring up. I mean, that is obviously going to be an important thing when you obviously want to grow the business. So you're trusting your employees that you've hired to do the job that they're paid to do, let them do that job without being too overbearing, but at the same time wanting to get the best results.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, you need to be able to embrace, um, you know, what you're actually doing and, and embrace it so that you are willing, you know, to take the real efforts and not fake those risks. Many bosses, like many people, try to stand out in some you know, specific way, maybe through their, their clothes, their interest or public displays of the support or, you know, how popular they are, but do they stand out for reasons um, which is like, you know, it's the sizzle, not the steak, you know, um, you can be, you know, there are bosses out there that stand out because they are willing to take that unpopular stand. And uh, I guess, you know, um, good leadership involves that responsibility to the welfare of the group, you know, which means some people will get angry at the actions and decisions that you take. It's inevitable, you know, if you're honourable and, and you're trying to get everyone to like you, well, it's a sign of, you know, that, that you're not doing your job properly because you're avoiding the tough decisions. And if you avoid, you know, confronting the people who need to be confronted, you're really offering a different you know, reward base on you know, differential preferences because some people might get upset. So you know, ironically, by procrastinating on the difficult choices, by trying not to get anyone mad, and by treating everyone equally nicely, regardless of their contributions, you're simply basically ensuring that only the people that you know, wind you up and anger you are the most creative and productive people in the organisation so in essence you know what we're saying here you really do need to uh, be able to embrace the whole um, business of taking those tough decisions as
1: a leader uh, another feature of leadership would be clear and direct communication how important is that for a leader uh, to have those skills
0: yeah it needs to be trans—you know transparent as far as um, to a degree obviously i mean there are some you know, issues uh, when you are directing a business that you need to be obviously kept uh, confidential. But having an open, transparent uh, program that allows your employees, uh, your business uh, to be up front um, and that you're not hiding anything um, gives that honesty. And the honesty of, of being able to... Talk to people, whether it be your staff, your internal suppliers, your external suppliers, your customers, your clients, are in essence the, you know, having that ability to, to, to show your honesty throughout. And if you're trying to hide something, it's, it quickly comes through. So, it, you know, you've really got to be out there demonstrating who you are and what you're doing.
1: I'd also imagine you'd have to adjust. And allow your employees to grow along with the business, and that when I talk about that, I'm talking about a willingness to allow them to develop their skills and knowledge.
0: Again, that comes back to training, and it comes back to giving those particular employees, um, or you know, the staff, and it may be you know, external staff as well, but giving those employees the necessary tools to do the job you can't you know hold somebody back because they haven't got the hammer or the screwdriver you equally can't hold them back if they don't know how to use you know that that hammer and the screwdriver so you need to teach them And you get rewarded by demonstrating, you know, that you are able to give those people a skill set, something that they can also move forward in their own careers. Um, You know, you're rewarding them for the efforts and what they're putting in, but obviously they will take that with them. You're not going to have, you know, people where you may, but it'd be unlikely these days. The majority of people stay with you for about five years. Very rarely do you get companies that are, you know, have, uh, you know, 25, 30-year uh, employees. You do in the in the mining sector and obviously big corporate companies. But generally speaking, I mean, most people tend to have a turnaround somewhere between every three and five years. And if they can take with them some of that skill set, you know, you are giving back, and that's the thing. You need to give back in education, training, and it is a lifelong learning curve, not only for the company and the rewards that that brings back to you, but it also makes, then feel part of an organisation that they want to be part of. Equally, it makes your company innovative. It gives you the state-of-the-art uh, technology, and that will make you stand out from the rest of the crowd. So, teaching, training, and developing you know people, and it can be online. So you, you know it's not taking time out from from the workplace. And upskilled are very good at doing their online courses, so it allows people to develop their skill set, which in return rewards the company.
1: What do you think are the other main uh, personality traits or attributes that a leader should have in a small business environment?
0: There are so many um, that that one could you know look at, um, and I guess many of those traits are really when you're looking, you know, the competency initially, I guess, at, at that particular point of, of, uh, of a leader. We've mentioned trust, which is obviously one of the most important things. Clear communications, obviously, is, is another one. And if you can't communicate, then you won't be able to communicate with your employees and the employees won't be able to communicate with the, uh, with the customers. And so another one that you really need to make sure if that clear communication, trust and competency is there, is really by giving those individuals the necessary support And when you're giving that support, you need to be fair, but you also need to be firm as well. But you need to be consistent in what you're doing to make that actually um, transition uh, so that, you know, there is a willingness on both sides to develop skills and knowledge, you know, not only with your own team but with others as well. So, again, you know, it's having that, you know, uh, emotion where you can sort of... You know, good bosses, as they say, you know, they can wear their emotions on their sleeves. Um, you know a bad boss, you know won't uh, <laughs> throw the employee under the bus as it's traveling along. You know, if you're on the bus and there's a problem, then you deal with it. you don't chuck that person off, you know you've got to give people credit for for what they're doing. Um, and 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 really, I guess at the end of the day, you know um, you leave by permission, not authority. And that, that as we've seen in recent times in Australia with the change in uh, the PM, you know, you you are only governed and, and governing that uh, position as a supervisor manager by the people who elect you there. If it's not working, then your staff will leave and your business will suffer. So you do need to recognise the difference, and you know, good bosses. I'll remember,
1: in one of our earlier episodes, we discussed the importance of planning as part of building a winning team. That also comes into place when you think about job descriptions and forecasting workloads for people and things like that. So, again, we go back to the importance of planning when setting up your business, it's also important when building your, your team as well.
0: You touched on three or four points there but when you stretch that out the planning is so important whether it be the business plan the marketing plan the financial plan the strategic plan your action plans but that really boils down to a checklist if you're expanding or growing your business and you need before you even do that you need to analyze first of all your business do you know where to find you know advice and support you know What have you conducted as far as your business at the moment with market research if you're going to expand it? Have you reviewed your business marketing plans? Have you reviewed your standards and codes of practice? What happens if there's an emergency? Have you prepared for that? So that's just part of the analyzing part of the business. You then really need to start looking at improving your internal process. So do you need to change your your business structure? You may be a sole trader and you want to move on to be a proprietary limited company. So have you considered updating the corporate governance of your organisation? Have you considered the financial, you know, management practices? Because as the business grows, so will the financial uh, regulations and processes will change with you. And equal to that, so are the legal obligations. So we've looked at the analysing your business, improving your internal process, and then, as you mentioned, about the growth of the workplace. Do you need to employ people or could you subcontract them? Do you need training? Do you need to train yourself before you can start putting people on? You know, do you need to move to bigger premises? So again, looking at the growth in the workplace, and then there comes finally those opportunities for the business growth. I've already mentioned about innovation, expanding your business to sell it online. Maybe you want to look at franchising your own business, or maybe you know looking at tenders and contracts, or. You know, the environmental policies that you're looking at, what are the management signs there? What about grants and financial assistance or exporting or importing goods? So the opportunities for growth are embedded in those points. So analysing your business, improving your internal process, growth in the workplace, opportunities for your actual business growth, are all encompassing within that initial checklist if you want to make the business grow.
1: Generation Y often cops a bad rap, but you said there you want to keep an eye on the future when you're setting up your business and also building your winning team that you hope will take you forward into the future. How important is it recognizing and nurturing young talent because – they are going to be are probably the most important employees for you moving forward.
0: Yeah, we look at assets in a, in a more sort of solid focus, where you know it's the building, it's the, it's the the infrastructure that you have within the the building, the plant and, and equipment, that sort of thing. But then you think that the people that are working in the business are your bigger asset, are the biggest asset. You know, they, they they are on the payroll, so they're probably one of the most expensive part of your your assets. So, you really, it's just coming back to a really feel good business and people that want to work for you. You've got to look after them, you've got to train them, um, you've got to nurture them. In other words, what we're saying, coaching and mentoring should be an integral part of a manager's uh, position, whether you call yourself a CEO, general manager, manager, supervisor, team leader. It doesn't matter. Whatever part. Or, or role you play, even if it's someone a colleague, you know you can help and nurture. And likewise, they can as well. It's always good to have someone coaching and mentoring you. And from a from a employer's point of view, that should always have that gradual drip 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 of mentoring and coaching, and allowing that employee to be immersed in 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 a way that they can grow within themselves as, as individuals, especially young people, but also allow them the opportunity to broaden their horizons further down the track. And having those assets and looking after those people by training and offering training upfront through Upskilled or other training providers is, is really a very, very important aspect of the overall business plan.
1: We'll wrap things up on this episode in a moment, Keith. But were there any other thoughts that you had in regards to building a winning team?
0: Oh look, um, I think building a winning team is, is so many uh, points here that we could look at over, you know, the the overall distance of a business. You know, planning where it wants to run. You know, start off um, maybe very small and just go into those little steps. But planning a business. So eventually, you know, you should be able to let it run itself. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. You know, you should have those policies and procedures. And and I I really strongly recommend that you get those policies and procedures down before you actually start with the business because retrospectively, it's very difficult to get those policies up to date. Enjoy your time with with your staff. Have fun with them. Make sure that they they enjoy what what, what they're doing and what you're doing. Have time out with your staff which is really important. Having good job descriptions so people know what they're about. And forecasting, you know, your workloads and growth for quiet times and busy times. And more importantly, recruit the right people, the people that fit within your DNA and the people that fit within the DNA of the business. You know, you may be wanting to employment, them, but subcontract work may be another way of looking at it. But also, training and succession planning are also important. Um, important parts of the business. There's so many, when you have that question, has a, such a broad scope and there's so many points that I could, you know, to that. But they're just a few of some of the things that I feel that, you know, are in, important as far as the overall planning process goes. And uh, would certainly, um, you know, like to see the people who are listening to this
1: to maybe further their education with skill further down the track. Thanks, Keith. There's been some really great thoughts there on how to build a winning team when you've got a small business. We will wrap our five-part series up next week when we talk about marketing your business and finding and keeping your customers. So I look forward to chatting to you about that on the Upskilled Masterclass next week.
0: And I really appreciate your time uh, today and it's been uh, great having a chat with you. Cheers.
1: Thanks for taking the time out to listen today. If you've got any questions or feedback, please head to the website upskilled.edu.au. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes, which would be greatly appreciated. And if you really enjoyed today's podcast with upskilled trainer Keith Mogford, please tell a friend. I'm Ralph Tucker. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And we'll catch you next time on the Upskilled Masterclass. Upskilled. Upskilled. Upskilled Masterclass.